everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And I'm Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, babes. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Hey, you look good. Well, thank you. You got a little haircut, I think. Well, we talked about that last week, oh, so okay. welcome aboard. Well, I was so stressed because it's always my you know my week. I'm always like, okay, I got to make sure I have everything in place. And now it's like all the chips are in your stack. They're so. on my stack, and I'm handling them. I'm slinging them this way. I'm slinging them that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's good to see you again. Hey, it's good to good see to sit you. Down, you know, share some stories here. Break some bread together. Um, we're not breaking bread. I it'd be, we should add that. I would love to eat <laughs> while we do this. I don't. Think, I don't think people like to hear chewing. Yeah, or like any kind of mouth. Yeah, no, stuff. that yeah. that doesn't go over well. So that's a horrible idea. It makes it harder to just actually say your stories and stuff too. So uh, yeah, we'll probably nix that. <laughs> we'll nix the breaking of the bread. Nix nay on the udfe. <laughs> that's uh, pig Latin for you kids out there. So ask your parents. Oh. Uh, this is um yeah. I was thinking like we're kind of like Uncle Mike and Auntie Allison of the true crime world a little bit. Why is that? Well, you know, I talked to some of our listeners on our, our social media channels, uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter's where I hang out on Crime and Coffee 2, Crime and Coffee number two. And um, yeah, I'm like, you know, we're kind of like a little bit older than a lot of our listeners. We're like, hey, come on, gather around. You know, we're going to tell you some stories. and you know, Granny and Gampy. Yeah. Yeah. As we get older, you know, I have more and more gray hair every episode. Um, I use hair dye to remedy that such. Thank God. Yeah. Once I hit 40... Grays just came in droves. Well, yeah, one of us is good looking at least. So I'm which gonna, which one? You, you. Oh, thank yeah, you. I, I think you're handsome, Mike. Well, thanks. Hey, you got to say that now because it would be awkward if you didn't say something at least nice to me. <laughs> so that's another reason I like doing this podcast. You're forced to say nice things. I'm forced to be nice because right. usually I'm just a demon. Right. So how you been doing this week? I've been doing good. It's Sunday. We always record on Sunday or mostly. And yesterday we had a lovely day. Oh, it was wonderful. I we went to downtown St. Pete. Mm-hmm. Weather was beautiful. It was like 70 degrees. It's just if you're ever coming to Florida, consider checking out St. Pete. It's short for St. Petersburg, but 100%. It is the coolest city, like one of the coolest cities in America. Just mm-hmm. like a good vibe. Like it. What what would you how would you describe it? Positive, um, like love all inclusive. Yeah, loves dogs. You know, we include everybody. We don't care if you're straight, gay, whatever you are identifying as. Saint Pete is gonna welcome you with open arms. However you were born, like whatever. It's like everybody's cool. Yes, like it's just it's a very hippie vibe, but not so hippie. Not like San Francisco hippie. Like just I don't know how to explain it. It used to be very old. Like a lot of old people used to retire mm-hmm. there and stuff. But just a lot of cool restaurants now. Bars, and breweries, um, and, craft shows. Yeah, just. Just everything. There's always something going on. It reminds me of Chicago a little bit. Yes, it does. It has a Chicago vibe. It's on the water. So it's just, I mean, it's gorgeous. We were pretending we had a yacht yesterday. Sadly, it wasn't true. It was all an illusion. The story is that it was, uh, the inside was getting redone. So Yeah, because I was like, are we going to go to our yachts? Because there's like these insane yachts parked all over. Like, who the hell owns these things? Yeah. And I'm like, well, let's go eat on our yacht. And Mike's like, no, remember, we're getting it refinished. <laughs> yeah, so t- it'll be ready tomorrow. We were kind of just talking out in the open and hoping somebody hear us be like yeah the yacht's ready tomorrow don't worry don't not, worry <laughs> not looking at all like i own a yacht having like red neck and red yeah ears. you got sunburned yeah a little bit of sunburn i don't know if you could see it on the video but yeah. uh yeah so that was a lot a lot of fun i, I love that that was i just love that city again if you come to florida check out st pete especially st pete area. or st augustine the saints they're yeah. good yeah stick to the saints. each side of the coast one's on the gulf one's on the atlantic yeah and speaking of traveling florida i've been around uh, florida last week i went to melbourne and 
uh, Pensacola and Miami. Mike's been abandoning his family. Yeah, well, it's easier that way. That way I don't have to worry about like cleaning up stuff at the house. <laughs> I know? don't have to deal with my wicked wife. Yeah, it's all about you. Like you, you like doing that stuff. So. Oh, I do. I like it. That's what I'll say. I'm like, I have so much laundry. He's like, well, you like that. <laughs> it's your like, laundry room. F off. Well, you painted the laundry room like green. You Parakeet like green. is what the color is. Yeah, it brings you happiness. So um, I just figure you yeah. kind of zen a little bit in there. Actually, I have come to like laundry because I put my earbuds in. Mm-hmm. and i watch netflix while i fold oh. either that i've been watching you or sex in the city um and just like that is or what i've been watching podcasting. and just like that is sex in the city that's what they're calling this new season yeah i saw that a couple times yeah um i did see every sex in the city episode up until this season so mm-hmm. i might have to catch up but you said yeah. it's, it's okay no i i actually have grown to like it okay that's yeah good. uh speaking of netflix i get to watch more netflix while i'm traveling because there's a lot of like plane time and you know hotel time. time yeah time in the room and uh, I, I purposely didn't tell you about this, so I could save it for the podcast. But have you heard about the Tinder swindler? Yes. Okay. So, you know, it's about a guy. It's like a true story about a guy who pretends that he's like super rich. Yes. Now these girls like fall in love with him because he's like charming and stuff. And mm-hmm. then he has tons of money. So they meet him up and he has tons of money. He's like meets him at the Four Seasons and he's like paying. He's like, hey, would you be interested? This is kind of crazy. Would you be interested in going on a private jet with me today? And then she's like, yeah, like, you know, and they're in like whatever, Stockholm, Sweden. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to Paris. Do you want to come with? And they're like, y- yes, absolutely. And all of a sudden it gets really hot and heavy, like really quick. And he's like paying for everything and whatever. And they're like, oh, my God, I like lucked into the situation with this charming, cool guy. He's successful and he loves me. And, you know, these girls just looking for love and just want somebody. And, and the I'm, money is a bonus. Absolutely. And uh, you feel bad. You know, you could see how people would be like, oh, they're pathetic. They saw the money and they stayed in. But at the same time, everybody's looking for a partner, you know. Of course. So I, I feel bad for him. It's, it's kind of weird that you're saying this because this is the theme of my story today. Oh, and you wish I had more money at the same time. Oh, and you wish we had a yacht. So a lot <laughs> well, of things. who does? wish they had a yacht <laughs> well yachts are nice yeah but then there's so much upkeep you know no you hire people to upkeep oh, that's true yeah. i wouldn't be upkeeping that thing yeah but um i did see the, the tinder swindler i, I suggest watching that and yeah then, i need to watch it and last night before i went to sleep uh, i watched another one i watched like or anything i read or watch is usually something nonfiction, like something true some kind mm-hmm. of true story a lot of documentaries it's interesting yeah that way i can like learn things I feel. right so this one on like boeing the like airline oh i i heard that on a podcast too just came out on friday like i hate boeing now after um that. i listened it's to horrible. it on a i think it was a 2020 episode on my podcast mm-hmm. yes crazy right really and so yeah it's this netflix documentary so somebody came out with it and just you know netflix bought the rights and it's like just it shows like how the profits went over safety and yes, they which said should never happen yeah when the couple crashes happened like you know they they said if they'd let things go as they were about uh, 12 more or 13 more crashes would have happened. Wasn't it that the plane was taking over and the pilots couldn't override it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was like a safety mechanism that it was facing. They thought the, the nose was going up when it really wasn't. So the f- safety mechanism engages and makes the nose go down, but they're going level. So the nose goes down and they're starting plummeting. To yeah. And the thing is, is that they, they, they go so fast that they can't re, you know, recalibrate. Yes, so, horrifying. And these horrible. pilots can't get control of what's happening. And Boeing was blaming the pilots because they're foreign um, Ethiopian Airlines and another one I forgot. And even the one pilot's parents were like, it didn't sound right to me what he was saying. And they're like, oh, where did he train? And they're like, uh, in the US. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. 
this like Boeing comes out scathingly horrible in this. Like I don't, I, I can't, I don't know if they're going to survive this. Mm, if people, we'll enough people watch. So you got to put safety in front of, in front of profits when it comes to airline travel. You think? Yeah. I think I, that's my opinion. I mean, <laughs> that's I don't know that's, that's my opinion too. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of documentaries and stuff this week for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then our son has still been home with COVID. Oh, poor bugger, man. It's like, he's not part of the family. It sucks it's, so bad. I feel like I don't even know him this week because he's not quarantined, but what do they call it? Um, isolated. Isolated. Yeah. So he's isolated in his room and you know, we go in there as much as we can with our masks and then, you know, wash up after. But you don't want to like sit on his bed. No, no. And I want to touch him and make sure he has like human interaction. I, know. I do. I, I still do because I have to. Touch oh, him. I feel terrible about it. It's literally making me feel sick inside. Yeah. And he can't kiss him because we usually do like I normally smother his head with kisses. Right. Right. Me too. And now I have not laid a kiss on that kid in over eight days. Which is so important to have that touch. Human we're, touch. We're very like touchy feely with our kids. We love to hug them. And yeah. And like he's he loves it too. He's always like love you dad. Love yeah. you mom. So yeah. it's really sad. Like yesterday we were gone all day and he was just home. Yeah. And granted he's on his headset with his friends but. So he's having a ball. Like you even asked him like do you yeah. miss us? He's, <laughs> he's like, like nope. no. No I'm good. <laughs> I'm like oh gee thanks. Yeah. So we're going to try to play some Mario Kart or something together. Yeah. Today we got to do something for that kid because yeah. I mean he's happy. That kid is like like we always said that when the shutdown happened in March of 2020, that Cameron was living his best life. <laughs> He's like, I never have to leave. Are you kidding? This is I don't have to get dressed. I can walk around in my boxers and a t-shirt all day. Sign me up. Yeah. Can I do this forever? No, no, you can't. No, you so. cannot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a poor guy. He's still getting through it. Well, he still like hold symptoms. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, right. he definitely still sounds congested. It sounds like in his throat. It's really like a throaty thing. Yeah. So he's cleared to go back to school Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's been going on here. Yeah. So I say we just dive right in here. Let's do it, baby girl. Hey, you got it. I'm going. Let's go. So this story takes place in Kent, England. Mike, we're in England. You love England. You love it. Jolly old England. Because last time I did an England story, you're like, where are they? In Pennsylvania? Or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, um... <laughs> No. So, you know, I'm the reason that we have these this note card here. This this whatever. <laughs> this is what I have to deal with. Kent. No, Mike, we are not in Pennsylvania. So not Kent, Ohio, Kent, England. We're in Kent, England. Okay, got it. Yeah. Kent, and it England. takes place um from 2016 to 2017, just to give you a little idea of where we are and when we are. I like the little taste you gave for us saying you know it has something to do with money. Well, it's not money. It's Tinder. Oh, Tinder. No mm-hmm. kidding. Okay. Yeah. Who'd you learn about this from? Um, our, oh, thank you for reminding me. You're I welcome. always gloss over that, and I'm so sorry. Lexi, our loyal listener, Lexi. Loyal listener, Lexi. That's a lot of L's. Yeah, she's doing a great job. Thanks, Lexi. Yes, she's our cousin, and we adore her, and she's a wonderful person. Beautiful Sweetheart. inside and out. Sweetheart. We say our daughter kind of reminds us of her a little bit, and that's a great thing. Yeah, so Lexi is great about sending us stuff. So she did send us this, so that's where I got this. So in June of 2016... 22-year-old Molly McLaren, that's our main topic here is Molly. So Molly McLaren was looking to connect to somebody on a personal level, so she turned to Tinder. And she ended up matching with 24-year-old Joshua Stimson. Yeah. Not Simpson, Stimson. And how old is she? Did you She's say? 22. 22, okay. Yeah. Um, so they matched, and he lived locally. They only lived nine miles apart. They chatted on the app regularly, but they did not meet in person until November, so many months later. So before their first date, Molly told her mom that she was nervous. You know, it's always nerve-wracking because you might be connecting via words, but what's the chemistry going to be like 
face to face. Yeah, you get some like, you know, dead time and you're just like, uh, so <laughs> you just don't have it. Yeah. It's kind of like scary too because you're ma- imagining that you're going to like spark, have a spark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they met and everything went fine. So Molly, just to give you a background on her, she's a great student. She was in her second year at university studying health and fitness at the University of Kent. I believe she must have lived with her parents during her college days. It, that's what I've gathered. Sure. It, they didn't say that one way or another, but she lived in Kent. She went to the University of Kent. So I believe she lived at home. So she was very um, motivational to the point that she made her own fitness blog to help inspire other people. Oh, okay. Um, she had a very strong friend circle. She often met up to hang out with her friends or they would also work out together. She was very much into fitness, hence a fitness blog. Mm -hmm. Um, One friend said that she put 100% of everything uh, or 100% into everything that she did. She was a very motivating person. She would throw herself into her studies. She was always lively and full of enthusiasm. And you can tell like with all the pictures and the videos you see of her that she was just like super energetic and just positive. Okay, seems like uh, probably someone that could be very successful in life. Exactly. So her friend Amy described her, and I, I mentioned Amy a couple times here because she's going to play a role in the story. Amy described her as a real joker and somebody that could make you laugh even when you were having a bad day. And all of us need a friend like that. Yeah, we were even telling our daughter that it's, uh, you know, she was asking about us, you know, because we've been together forever. And she's like, you know, what, what, what kind of things should we look for? And we were like, just find somebody that you like hanging out with and that makes you laugh and that treats you right and that you can like bring to other people and, you know, have a good time together and just like be a good team together. Mm-hmm. My, my thing that I said to her last night when we were talking about it was respect and humor. Yeah. Because if you're not laughing, that's a problem. I'm just one of those people that life is already serious enough. I mean, I work in a friggin' hospital, for God's sakes. I see death daily yeah. so um i think it's important that you're with somebody that makes you laugh and they don't have to be like a comedian or the funniest person in the world but just somebody you can like share some things with and have some giggles because yeah. like you're not that funny but <laughs> like thank god i am so that i pick up the slack on that area I'm thank just goodness i'm a dullard yeah and i'm just joking folks okay I'm no he's so mean he's yeah. so mean to me so um like I said, she made you laugh even when you were having a bad day. She grew up in Kent. Like I said, it's a rural village, a county in southeast England, to give you an idea of where it is. To parents, Joanne and Doug, her mom described her as bright as a button, beautiful inside and out. Her dad said that she was just our girl, an angel, a treasure, and they were a very close family. Uh, any idea if she had siblings? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm gathering that she did not. They didn't mention it. Um, she actually reminds me of Reese, our daughter, just very, just fun. Just, you know, she gets it. She's like funny and just like everything ahead of her. basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to give you a little bit about Josh, there wasn't that much information about his background. He was a warehouse worker when they met. Eventually he transitioned into sales. He came from divorced parents and he was mostly raised by his father. You know, they say one of the most, uh, psychotic, um, professions is sales. Really? Well, that explains a lot about you. Yeah, it absolutely does. So just <laughs> so watch yourself. I'm, I'm watching myself. Number one is uh, CEO, in case you're wondering. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's what some lady said. I don't even know if that's true. So that's don't, interesting. Don't quote I've me. never heard that. If you, if you believe it at all, don't quote me. Just look into it a little bit. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So as Molly's relationship with Josh continued, he confided in her that he suffered from bipolar disorder. The information worried her, but she hadn't seen any mood swings or some, you know, anything to be worried about. 
Um, she herself had dealt with bulimia and, exi- and anxiety for many years. So she basically thought that maybe they could help support each other in their struggles. Hmm. You know, nobody's perfect. So she just said... And a lot of people are looking for people they can fix too. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting, which I, I don't get it. But hey, everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody is. Her mom, of course, worried. You know, you hear bipolar, you just, you don't know what to expect. Yeah, it doesn't mean somebody isn't able to be lived with, but as long as that's under, you know, control of some professional. Yeah, of course. Medicated and all that stuff, because it could be scary. Molly asked her mom not to judge. And Joanne said that knowing Molly herself struggled with things like anxiety and bulimia, she worried about her taking on somebody else's issues, which is, is valid. Exacerbate yours. Your because you're going to pay attention and try to fix this other person and you're going to let your things slide. Yeah. Exacerbate. Exacerbate. Okay. So, you know, when you have something like bulimia or an eating disorder, it's something that is with you forever. You can control it. You like can get through it. Or anything. Like you're always an alcoholic, even though if you still haven't had a drink in 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, You're always going to be an alcoholic. Yeah, exactly. You have to treat yourself as knowing you can slip back into that. Yes. And I dealt with anorexia as a teen. So I know even as a 42-year-old, I still struggle with um, food and body image big time, which is really sad. Yeah, I know. Because you're beautiful. Like, I just, I, I love everything I see about you. And it's just, you know, and uh, yeah, obviously your personality too. But just, it sucks that you don't have the same view I do. And yeah. it's frustrating to me too. I'm like, just shut up. Like, you're beautiful. Like, it's... You know. Well, you don't get it because you're yeah. like, I don't understand. You look perfect or whatever. And it's like, that's not what the person who's struggling yeah. <clears throat> with it sees. Right. They don't see that at all. And I just... I I pray to God that our daughter or son, because you know, eating disorders can go for both genders. Sure. Never deal with it because it's it's a lifelong battle. So she was bulimic, and he had uh, what? He had bipolar. bipolar. Okay. So you know, she poured herself into fitness and exercise, which can be worrisome. Like her mom worried about that. Like, is this going to become another addiction? Because that's a problem too. I became addicted to exercise at one point when I was a teenager too. But she and, wasn't. I'm sorry, she wasn't actively bulimic. Had it in her past. Right? It was in her past, but again, you know, oh, yeah. it's something you have to try to control every day. Sure, yeah. So her mom did worry that she was going to pour herself so much so into exercise that that was going to become her addiction. But she said it, it wasn't the case. She really thrived in that environment because it really it helps give you control and see your body as a strong, powerful thing. Yeah. Rather than looking at it like in this hateful way. Yeah. So that ended up being a good thing for her. So, um, you know, Molly asked her mom, don't judge Josh. You know, he's fine. Her mom said that she shone with confidence on the outside, but on the inside, she often struggled with anxiety and lacked self-confidence, worrying that she wasn't good enough and underestimating herself. And, you know, it's hard when you're at that age, because when you're in your low 20s, you're transitioning from being a kid to an adult and you're trying to figure out yourself and what you want to do. And you're also in the social media game, you know, like you can put all the nice and fun pictures Mm -hmm. on Instagram, but really what's going inside of somebody, you know, it's the same thing with parenting and all of our, just people we see, like, it looks like your life is perfect. And then you hear all these stories like, no, they're actually like in the middle of a divorce. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like night and day from what you saw online. And, you know, we grew up in the nineties and we did not grow up with social media. And I, Thank the Lord above that we didn't because that would have been terrible for me. Yeah, it's hard. I try to avoid social media as an adult because it affects me. You know, if you're having a bad day and you get online and you're like, oh, they're on another vacation and oh, everything's so great. It makes you feel that. And I mean, that's my problem. It's my self-esteem problem. But I can't imagine being a teen. And I know we've talked about that on other episodes. It's just it's a challenge. 
So as the weeks went on, Josh and Molly spent more and more time together sharing their love of fitness and exercise. So they connected on that. He also liked to exercise. This was Molly's first serious relationship. Her family welcomed him with open arms on their first meeting. They found him to be well-mannered, nice-looking, and they said he was chatty, nice, and normal. That was the big thing, like normal. Okay. I mean, really, what is normal? But we all know what we identify with as Especially like. parents coming in, they're like, you know, like, okay, he's not super, you know, nothing worrisome that we can sure. identify. Because that's scary as a parent. You want your child to be happy. So Molly's dad said that they watched football, which I assume is soccer, <laughs> Yep. Um, and had beer together. Nothing seemed amiss. Josh's family liked Molly and felt that she was a good influence on their son. So both sides seemed happy with the relationship. Good. So Molly worked part-time as a sales assistant at Ted Baker. I don't know what Ted Baker is, but... Sounds anyway, like a nice place. Sounds like a great sounds place. Sounds like a nice chap. Ted sounds like a good guy. Yeah. Um, she quickly met and befriended Amy Lee, who I had mentioned earlier, Amy. She's going to like play a role into this story, too. Not the lead singer of Evanes- Evanescence? Is that her name, Amy Lee? I think so. Yeah. Okay. No, not okay. her. So the two became inseparable, and Amy could relate with Molly because she herself struggled with food and body image, like many young girls do. Yep. So she considered Molly to be very brave, facing her issues head on and trying to inspire others to be better via social media and her blog. She was very inspirational. She posted like fitness um videos she posted like recipes and things like that oh her friend too no molly did molly, okay. yeah so molly's friends met josh they themselves had reservations about him friends are very good about picking up on things i think um so molly's friend amelia was working out with molly at the gym when she met josh in january of 2017 she said he wasn't overly chatty, though he's, she still welcomed him because, you know, it's her friend's boyfriend. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, once you start talking shit about somebody, um, you know, that you kind of push that person away. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of try to keep them nearby and be like, yeah, they're, they're fine. You know, they're good. Yeah, and listen to your friend. Just be there for your friend because, like you said, they're going to just go away from you and go more towards that relationship, right. which it's it's a tough thing. Um, so during their meeting, Amelia had made a joke, which Josh later used to turn Molly to try to turn Molly against Amelia. Of course, that just immediately put Amelia off of Josh. Mm -hmm. So, um, then her friend Amy had said that if Molly had a day of studying, Josh would manipulate her to spend more time with him or show up to where she was studying unannounced. She said that he like tried on her kind of. Oh, yeah. Just wanting to be in control of what, what she's doing and where she is. Because this is what happens. You you end up pushing the person away. If you like say something bad about their other, you know, the, Josh, then all of a sudden Josh is like, oh, they don't know us, you know, mm-hmm. and then you become like the, you know, the, the manipulator wants to be like, we need to be together. Blah, blah, blah. And then they start checking on like it reminds us back in college of one of our friends. Yeah. One of our friends went through something like this and it was horrible. She was actually a roommate of mine in college. And so I got to see it firsthand. And it was scary as hell. Um, and it's such a like gradual change that it, it happens so slowly that I think sometimes to the person it's happening to, it's like they don't even realize it's happening. No, and the, always like the last person you would think, this person that we're thinking of, our, our friend, current still current friend, such a confident, awesome girl and just got manipulated by this sack of shit and just like became a shell of herself. And like she went from this big, booming personality, awesome, so much fun and like just positive and to like this little tiny baby in a shell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. basically and scared all the time and it was like holy cow this one dude did, and she had a great family he didn't even live in our state no and we were in illinois cool. he was in new york and through the telephone he was able to control her yeah and we didn't even have social media at that point so oh. it was all controlled just ju- we didn't even have text barely texting yeah no we didn't have texts oh i texted a little bit it, we, she didn't even have a cell phone at this right. point wow 
it was just through the telephone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's scary. And you're helpless as a friend because you can't change your friend's mind. Right. You know, I would just say to her, I'm like, this just doesn't sound right. Like some of the things were so glaring. You know, I couldn't just sit there and just pretend it wasn't happening. I had to just gently say like, this just doesn't sound right. Right. So Josh is saying, starting to say little things like that. And just gradually isolating her from her friends. So they found it odd too that he found no uh, no interest in introducing Molly to his own friends. Yeah. You know, they're like, where the hell are his friends? Right. So Molly's mom said that Josh spent most weekends at their family home, so much so that when Father's Day came around, Josh chose to spend the day with Molly's dad, Doug, rather than his own family. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he came from a bad family, you know, he just chose not to spend the day with his own dad. Mm. So they found that to be like, kind of like, well, but then you never know the whole story. So you're like, okay, maybe something happened and he's not willing to talk about it. Who knows? Maybe, but they did like, huh? But also regarding friends, like you also want to like see what kind of friends people have Mm -hmm. and ask some questions and stuff and you know they're they're kind of similar to their friends too and you want to like when you introduce somebody to your friends you want them to like your friends too yes that's important yeah it's it's important because otherwise the whole circle kind of falls apart right so we were lucky um you know we initially met in high school and our friends got along seamlessly and then as we transitioned to college we made friends together so Mm -hmm. they just became our friends and like if we got a divorce they'd all be my friends but I that's know okay about that i think they might choose me yeah that's just my opinion i guess we'll see we'll see yeah so, but i'm never gonna let you leave me yeah i'll find you you're very controlling <laughs> um so see now you got me off track here mike that's okay Gosh. off kilter that's part of the deal so the other thing was josh belonged to a football group on sundays where they'd play games and Molly and her family were like, hey, we want to come out and watch. And he always put the kibosh on that. Mm-hmm. So Molly started to think, is it because he's jealous and doesn't want me to meet his friends? Like he doesn't want them to look at me? Right. Or, so, yeah, I mean, I'm jealous or just like doesn't, or maybe he has other girls and he doesn't want yeah, them Yeah, your whatever. mind starts to spin and like, why would you not want me to come out and watch you play? Of course. Yeah. So they, they found that a little strange as well. So as the four-month mark hit in the relationship, Molly's family noticed changes in Josh's demeanor. They found him to be increasingly a loner, finding no interest outside of Molly. It was like, that's all he had was radar glasses on Molly. So, man, what are you into? Uh, Molly. Molly. It's yep. like, um, dude, go <laughs> get healthy. a friggin' hobby. Not healthy. You know, I know when a couple is first, you know, bonding and whatever, it's like sometimes you can just be like all-consuming. Yeah. I know you and I, like we talked about, we would just be on the phone for like four hours and it's just like you want to know everything about them and there's healthy and then there's red flag. Yeah. And his behavior was red flag. Right. He just had no interest outside of this girl. And it's like that's suffocating for a person. So... um, Let's see. So Molly had been under a lot of pressure with school, you know, and in addition to her blog and working out, she's going to, to school and she's working part time. It's a lot. So she f- was finding that she was overwhelmed with trying to balance it all because he was suffocating her. Yeah. Her dad said that oftentimes Josh would turn up uninvited while Molly just wanted time to study. He would just lay on her bed as she worked and it seemed he just wanted to know where she was and what she was doing. Mm. That like, sucks as a parent to see that. To see it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, get the hell out of here. She's trying to study and do work. Get the hell out. Yeah. You're not wanted. It's like, go do something with your friends. Fly a kite. Go fly a kite, yeah. Josh. 
So Josh even quit his warehouse job so that he could spend more time with Molly during her summer oh, break. Oh, God. There's a guy you want to hang on to, somebody who quits a job to hang out with you. And I know in the documentary I watched, her mom had said she, like, Molly was like, that's so childish. It's because it's like, crazy. Josh was a couple years older than Molly. So, you know, he's mid-20s. It's like, you can't just quit a job to hang out with me. And Molly's probably, like, you know, flattered. He's like, you should be so lucky that I'd want to quit my job and hang out with you. I'm sure that's his angle. But man, girls, if you got a guy who really doesn't want to work, like don't hang on to him any longer. He's he's. I mean, it, life is um, going to be a struggle unless he sold a business or something and is already retiring. Like, yeah, get with somebody who wants to work and makes a decent buck. Like you, you deserve that. And it's not even so much about money. It's that person. Like, do you want to be with somebody that just wants to sit at home? Right. And same like, with guys. Go work. If you're with a girl who just wants to stop working, unless that's what you want, unless you want to support a, a woman or guy or whatever your, your significant other, then. You know that that's something I wanted in my life. I wanted somebody who was kind of wanted to get after it and go work for a little bit. And yeah, and some of my friends want a woman who stays home, and that's okay. Yeah, but this is low to mid twenties. They don't have children. They're they're not not married. married. Right. Like when I was in my mid twenties, that's all I was doing was working because I I was given overtime. And when they'd say like, "Can you stay longer?" That all I saw was dollar signs because I have nothing to get home to. You yourself was working a lot of hours. What am I going to do? Just go and sit there? Right. I wanted to be the first one there and last one to leave. You know that whole thing. Yeah. I wanted to be. I wanted to get all the accounts that the manager was giving out at the end of the day, beginning of the day. Like I just wanted to be there and be show my face. Yeah. And there's no better time to try to make money than when you are in your twenties and you don't have kids because now I'm a parent and my priorities lie with my children. Yes, I do work full time, but my kids come first. Like this week, you were traveling and our son was homesick. So I told my boss, I'm like, I have to leave work after I see my patients and go to ICU rounds. So I came home, took care of him as I worked. You know, it's a balance. Yeah. And I don't disrespect stay-at-home parents because that is a job. Of course. So, but of course. This, is, this is a different situation. Yeah. Like you don't quit your job when you're 25 years old so that you can sit on my couch. He's not looking to be a stay-at-home dad because no, they don't have a kid they don't have a kid <laughs> right <clears throat> so um you know this was troubling to molly <clears throat> excuse me so despite feeling suffocated she still wanted to be there for him and support him in finding a new job because she wanted him to be happy so many more issues came to light as the family went away for a weekend to celebrate their aunt's 60th birthday josh came with them they attended like a big party. I think they rented like a, a dance hall or something like that. I don't think da- a dance hall reception yeah, well, hall. I'm, I'm something picturing like a that. banquet hall like yeah. with wood floors. You can do yeah, whatever. And it was kind of like almost like a reception where it's like they were had food and were dancing and, and stuff like that. So many of the family members that were there at this party had never met Josh. So the family had started to notice that he would never leave her side during the party. And Ugh. To the point that it started to draw attention, like, dude, everyone's having fun and dancing and well, whatever. That it reminds me, like, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily notice, but you would come over and be like, "Did you see that Josh hasn't left Molly's side in like the whole night?" Mm-hmm. I'd be, and then I would be like fixated, I'd be like, "Whoa, what a weird!" And then you start to pay attention, and then I would start to make some jokes. I'd be like, "So, man, um, have you like gone to the bathroom or anything?" Or yeah, <laughs> and you could see the pictures from this night. Like he has a smile on his face, and you read about that, like it doesn't reach his eyes. That smile did not reach his eyes so it's just like this yeah it's just it's like, just flat yeah you smile and with your eyes meanwhile molly's like beaming and having a, a blast so he's like this dullard at her side that's like wanting her to just sit there with him weird so um her dad noticed that he seemed resentful and jealous when she was on the dance floor with her female cousins one of the, her cousins who had just met him that night commented to the family i don't know what it is but i don't like him 
At the end of the night, they all headed back to the hotel. They had separate rooms. So um, Molly and Josh had a room and then Molly's mom and dad had their own room and the dad had fallen asleep when Molly's mom got a text from her saying, um, mom, Josh is playing up. I think that's like an English term. As her mom went to the room, because Molly asked her to come over to the room. So she headed over to the room. And as the door opened, Josh is like coming at Molly's mom trying to talk to her. And he, she's like, I want to talk to my daughter. So she he's like showing the phone going, look at this, look at this, look at this. And he's like, she's like, Molly, what's wrong? What's going on? She told her mom that he was being very strange and recording her. He was trying to push her buttons and then film her reaction to try to use it against her for future references. Oh my God. Um, this was the first time that Molly's mom, Joanne, felt that things were not right. You get that feeling. Just like, all right, time to step in. So. Yeah. You see his interaction with her and the family throughout the night. He's like, trying to hold her back from having fun and then the Literally night ends. everybody's saying this guy sucks yeah and usually when everyone starts to see something it tends to be true yeah um what do they always say like if everyone's against you it's like look to yourself like oh. you're probably the problem if you, yeah if you run into a lot of situations with like a lot of assholes and a lot of mean people like hey, you're probably the asshole maybe you're the asshole here yeah so molly's friends started to notice that her her personality was changing. She wasn't nearly as bubbly as she had previously been. She seemed deflated and worn down. Um, she went to her mom and told her, and you can tell her and her mom were super close, mm-hmm. which I just pray that me and my daughter always stay this close, that she'll confide in me as she gets older. So she talked to her mom and she said she just didn't feel the same about him anymore. She feared his reaction to their breakup, but eventually she texted Josh and said, we cannot be together 24-7. I feel under pressure. How does he respond? Well or not? Blow up. I'm going to assume it's going to be a poor, some poor decision making. Yep. So he responded with a string of abuse and accusations. He continued to bombard Molly with texts, pleading with him to give or pleading with her to give him another chance. String of abuse, like <clears throat> verbal abuse. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Just like, oh, you do this and you do that, yeah. and you know, whatever. It didn't say exactly what, but so not like hitting her necessarily. No, it was via text. Okay. Yeah, got it. So her friends were advising her, just do not take him back. Yeah. But, you know, she's this really caring, sweet girl. She decided to give him another chance. Well, she has this blog and she has this health thing and she did the work on herself to, you know, kind of get over her bulimia. Mm-hmm. And she's probably seeing this and this dude, like, I can save him. He can be better. She saw some good sides and that's so sad. And it's very nice of her to give Yeah, a she's shot. a sweet girl. Yeah. So in May of 2017, the couple went on a make it or break it holiday to Tenerife. Though, even on vacation, things were not going well. His control continued. So not even together a year. No, no. They didn't meet until November of 2016. This is May of 17. So she was texting her friends during their trip away saying, it's the worst thing ever. Help me. I can't talk about it until I get home, but I'm dreading it. You know, she's like isolated on this vacation with this dude, and she probably can't even stand him at this point. That sounds like absolute hell. Like she just said that she didn't want to spend 24 hours with him, and now she's on this. You know, she was just throwing in like the last ditch effort. Let's see. Maybe it'll work. Maybe right. this will connect us and make him see the light and stop being so controlling. Yeah. So um, her friend said during their trip, he wouldn't listen to what she had to say, still trying to control her. So this only reinforced her need to end things for good. So when Josh returned from the trip, his co-workers were noticing that he was often distressed and agitated, crying and failing to show up at work. So very unstable. Yeah. 
So as time went on, his attendance was so sporadic, which again, very irresponsible. You're 25 years old. You have a job. Show the hell up. Right. Like be there. What are you doing? You made a commitment. Yeah. Meet it. So there, his attendance was so sporadic that it was agreed that he would go down to part time. So on June of two, June 17th, 2017, Molly was out with friends and Josh was there too. They were celebrating her 23rd birthday when she and Josh began to argue. A friend said... Anytime there's a date, you know, you know things are about to get pretty bad, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So June 17th, 2017. Yep, we're building. Yeah. We're building to horror. horror. Got, it. Got it. A friend said that during their argument, Molly snapped. She had just reached the end of her rope and said to him, I don't want to be with you anymore. So they saw that his demeanor really flipped and he was super agitated and angry and screamed out, she's she's finished with me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, she's, yep. she's See you finished later, buddy. with you. Get the hell Bye. Yeah. After the breakup, the friends noticed that <clears throat> her bubbly personality started to shine through again. She was becoming herself. Yeah. He had worn her down. Right. Um, and I'm sure that was just such a relief. But it looked like a, a weight had just been lifted off of her chest. So she did feel guilty about the breakup, especially because it happened the way it did in public. It didn't happen in front of everybody. You know, they were like off to the side, quietly talking. Because well, she's a nice girl. She didn't she's want a sweet to, like, girl. Yeah. But at some, at some point, it bubbled over and it just got the best of her. And she's like, I'm done. Get out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, like anybody. It can happen. Anyway. Yep. You reach your limit. And she reached her limit. So as the days ticked on, Josh's behavior became more and more irrational. Now he heads over to Facebook, where he decides to post lies and lies about Molly, saying that she uses drugs, she's um, into cocaine, she sleeps around, and he's tagging her family on these posts. Can I say how annoying those people are that like put stuff out there and are like so cryptic and like, oh, it's over. It's like, what are you talking about? Obviously, you want people to ask you about it. It's <laughs> so annoying. Like, I just hate that. You know how I'm. Oh I hate yeah, that. I hate it too. You hate you'll it you'll too. tell me. You're like, oh, you got it because I don't go on. Facebook facebook ever i go because i gotta like do some stuff with the the, the podcast we don't have a, a facebook community that i know of at least but um yeah so I, i'll see some things like oh it happened i'm like uh and then I'm you see even... all the comments and i know we've talked about this on yeah. this podcast before it's like hey babe hang in there everything's gonna be okay it's like you're so strong you're 42 years old you have a fa- like what are you doing it's like uh, we're not 17 just say it and even when i was 17 i didn't act like that right right exactly like oh sorry so that's why i got off of facebook i just i could not handle it anymore it's just like grow the hell up right so um he's using this platform to you know drag her name through the mud while she's trying to promote her healthy living blog oh that's and she's being accused of doing cocaine oh no so you know he's he's bringing her reputation down and then he threatened her saying that quote unquote there was more to come Mm -hmm. so Josh bombarded Molly in the meantime on what WhatsApp. Can I ask you why anyone would use WhatsApp instead of just regular phone texts? Um, WhatsApp is like the most popular messaging platform in the world. So it, it especially in Europe. Um, it seems like it's big in England. Tinder, Tinder swindler. It was all over WhatsApp. Um, okay. It's just like I guess because. Instead, you know how iPhone has iMessage and Android has whatever. But it's all via text. Who cares? I'm texting a person. I'm getting a message back. Why do I care? Because you can share more rich multimedia. So more like videos and things, all high definition. Okay. So it streamlines. If you're separate users, it streamlines. Yep. And all you need to get on it is a phone number. So it's like, it's it's super easy. I have like several uh, messaging groups. Okay. And it's really easy for groups too. So like it's not, it's not, it's, it's device agnostic. So you don't have to worry about who has what phone or whatever 
you can log in on your computer. Mm-hmm. Like it's super. It's owned by Facebook. That's the only okay. downside. But Ugh. yeah, the Facebook bought it. So okay. See, I was really wondering that. I'm like, why would you do that? But anyway, so this is what they were messaging on. She confided in her friends, telling them that Josh has turned nasty. I'm scared he might hurt me. He knows my parents are going away for two weeks. So she was definitely mm. starting to get fearful. Molly's mom, Joanne, was so nervous that she printed pictures of Josh and handed them to neighbors. If he comes around. Please, if you see him, please let us know. Oh, my gosh. So that's to the point how scared they were. So on June 22nd, Molly went to the Kent, the North Kent police with her mom to report the harassment. The police contacted Josh on speakerphone while they both sat there. And the police officer said, we're not going to have to talk about this again, are we? And Josh is like, aren't we? So, and she said the way his voice sounded, he was so cold, it only reinforced her fears. So, rather than feeling, you know, better safer after and talking safer. To the, cops. the cops do it. Like, I, that's kind of a weird uh, way to do it, too, in front of the victim. You would think they I think it, it wanted to, like, give them a little reassurance. Like, like look, we're, yes, yeah. exactly. But it didn't, unfortunately. So, Josh eventually took the post down, saying that it was only because he didn't want his clients to, on his new job to find them. Yeah, Dur- I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, Josh. During <laughs> this time... Work. Yeah, really <laughs> no, I think about. now he's in sales. Oh, okay, you're right. During this time, Molly sent texts to her friends that she was walking on eggshells and feeling more and more afraid of Josh and what he was capable of. Police advised Molly and all of her friends to block him on all forms of social media and to avoid any kind of communication with him. So they all did that. Every single person that she was close with blocked him. So on June 27th, 2017, Josh left work early and went to Asda, which we mentioned this um, chain of grocery stores um, before. Remember the story I did with Joanna Yates and the neighbor? Yeah. He was seen walking through Asda. Um, We thought he did that just to have an alibi. Yeah. So he went to the store Asda and purchased a Sabatier paring knife, which was caught on CCTV. Uh. They watched him walk holding this knife and purchasing it. And later that day, he headed to home base to purchase a pick pickaxe. Two horrible things. Home base? Is that like a home store? I, guess? I assume so. Oh, yeah. She's okay. home. So he's got a pickaxe and a paring knife. A paring knife. Yes. The weapons were then kept in his car. On June 28th, 2017, Molly posted a picture um, to Snapchat about going to dinner and drinks with her friends. I guess they were celebrating a couple of things. So they all met up. And halfway through dinner, they saw Josh walk in with another girl in tow. And the group were commenting, what are the odds that he just happened to come to this place Yeah, at this exact time? Zero. Yeah, but they're wondering <laughs> how. How could he possibly know? We're, he's blocked. Right. So they don't know. Hmm. So now they're thinking maybe it is just a fluke. Oh. He walked past Molly and her friends and headed to the smoking area, staring at them from outside over the next few hours, putting the girls on edge. You just picture them kind of like, you know. All just, creepy. Yeah, staring creepily. Yeah. Ugh. So when he left the pub, he made sure he walked past their table despite other exits in the place that were closer to where he was. And I think at one point when Molly was up at the bar, he came up to the bar too. I don't think they had much of an interaction, but it was just the intimidation. Yeah. Like, I I'm know here. where you are. I'm watching you. Mm-hmm. So Molly left before her friends. She headed home to see Love Island. And I think it just put a damper on the night that he was there. So she left and her friends just said, hey, don't worry about that psycho. Her friends didn't walk her to her car. They didn't They didn't worry at this point that, you know, there was a real threat. Because he was with a girl and he was probably yeah. just, you know, whatever. They happen to see each other. Okay, just get away. Go back home. Have a exactly. Great so she went to her car herself. She went home. 
And sadly, this is the last time any of her friends saw her uh, alive. Damn it. Yep. So the next morning on June 29th, Molly woke up and headed to Pure Gym near her house and planned to film some exercises for a university course. She entered the gym at 10.10 a.m. and headed to an upstairs workout room that happened to be empty at the time. A few minutes later, CCTV in the gym caught Josh coming up the stairs that led to her workout room. It was basically a staircase, and it led not directly into the room. There was a small platform and then a propped open door that looked into her room. Oh, so this is on video. All on CCTV. This is what Lexi sent. Yes. Okay. So this is how Lexi shared it with us. So he came up the stairs. He looked into the doorway and saw Molly working out. And then he turned around, walked about halfway, three quarters of the way back down the stairs, and then turned back around, came up, and without hesitation, walked into her workout room. He grabbed a a mat and basically in this big old room, placed it only feet away from her, directly next to her. Yeah, I picture like a big workout room, shiny floor, mirrors. It was more like kind of like a black mat floor. Oh, okay. But yeah, and she was actively like doing some sort of like kick jack thing on the floor. And he set his mat down next to her. And then he got back up, shifted the mat a little bit more They're forward. They're the only two in this room. Only two in this room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Super weird. Yeah. And he sat back down to do ab work. At, and we don't know what they said to each other. Obviously. Well, we have a gist of what was said. At this point, nothing was said. He literally like, just walked in. Molly's got to be freaking the fuck out. Yes, I she mean, is. You're in a room alone with this psycho, and you're like, okay, now he's just pretending to do some squat jacks or whatever the hell he's yeah, doing. Yeah, he's laying on his back, like kicking his hands and feet up at the same time. Okay. It's like you were oh, at the God. restaurant and the pub with us last night, and now you're here at the gym with me. And it's not like she went exactly this time every day that he knew yeah. to come. It was like, you're clearly following me. So um, at 10.59 a.m., Molly texts her friend Amy a picture of Josh on the workout mat saying, WTF, he's just turned up and come right next to me. Amy asked if she had posted to Snapchat that she was going to the gym, and Molly said no, literally haven't put anything. Amy asked, any indication you could have been there at all? Last night, now today, starting to look dodgy. At this point, Molly got up and looked in Josh's direction, grabbing her drink, because initially she was like in a plank position. So then she got up, she walked over, grabbed her bottle of water or whatever, took a drink, and then you see in the CCTV um, video, she approaches him as he's still laying on his back doing his stupid little leg kicks. Um, Apparently, she had asked him if he was following her, but he didn't reply. She also asked him why he wasn't at work, and he told her it wasn't her business. That was the gist of their interaction. So basically, Josh was in there just for a few minutes. He finished his stupid ab work, left the room, and headed back downstairs. He then, you watched him come back up the stairs, peered into the workout room before heading down one last time. He could then be seen leaving the gym, holding his sports drink in one hand and a backpack over his right arm. Molly headed to the locker room and called her mom, letting her know that Josh had showed up. And her mom said, please come straight back home. So Molly waited until she saw Josh leave. Okay. And meanwhile, this gym is in a very crowded parking lot. There's a lot going on in this parking lot. It's the gym. There's Pizza Hut. There's a huge cinema. It's it's a crowded plaza. Yeah. So there's a lot of cars in the parking lot. It's not a like a quiet place. Like I have a good idea how this is going to end, but I'm still on the point. Like, please just get home. You know? I know that's what you pray for, but sadly, it's it's you're not going to have your wish fulfilled. I'm sorry to tell you this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here reading this story to you. Yeah. 
So um, Molly waited in the gym, like I said, until she saw him left leave. She gave a little bit of time there. And in the meantime, she was messaging Amy. Just after 11 a.m., she said, I feel like I'm looking over my effing shoulder all the time. I have left now. Amy told her, do not initiate any contact with him. The last message Amy received was at 11.01 a.m. that said, I won't from now on. So unbeknownst to Molly, Josh was waiting in the parking lot. As Molly reached her car just after 11 a.m., she got in and closed the door, and she was still looking at her phone, kind of like engaging in passable texts or whatever. So probably she, to let somebody know that, he, oh, he's out in the parking lot. I mean, that's she, probably She didn't idea. see him. This is a oh. super, super crowded parking lot. Okay. She walked to her car. Got it. She, she got in. She closed the door. She's sitting there getting ready to, you know, sure. start the car and go. Yeah. So. Like anybody else would be. I mean, you're just, yeah. Yeah, you're gathering Key your in, things. Letting you're it, putting let your it run key. For a bit. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, at 11.08 a.m., Josh yanked open Molly's car door and began to immediately attack her, stabbing her 75 times. Holy with shit. In a loaded, like, I mean, it's crazy packed. no matter and what. And you'll see the, the pictures. This is a packed parking lot in the middle of day. This oh is 11.08 a.m. Jesus Christ. So he used the paring knife that he was seen buying at asda the the pickaxe never came into play i'm sorry how many times 80 75, 75 times holy nikes so um a man was walking his dog he had been there he dropped his wife off at the cinema and then he was just like taking a walk with his dog he's seeing like because molly was like flailing her legs trying to defend herself and beeping her horn um so he is trying to figure out what he's seeing he's thought that you know there was like the, just a fight going on as he moved closer he could see that it appeared that a woman was being attacked by a man in her car it looked like he was holding something in his hand as she was trying to defend herself she had her hands up and she was trying to stop him the man passed his dog off to somebody else and went to approach the car and as he got closer he could see that this man josh was stabbing molly with something small likely a knife as he got right in front of the car he could see there was blood in the car and as he got closer he saw that she was being stabbed towards her neck and head he began banging on the window in the hood just trying to distract him trying to just stop this frenzy because well, you know seeing. you're going to come up to him and he's going to stab you right. so you can't do that you can't like unless you have something bigger or better a gun something else like it's a bad idea to yeah to i mean all this guy has to do is take that knife and plunge it into your chest you're and you're done. done right so you know he's he's banging on the hood which they call the bonnet of the car and the glass just like trying to just like make him just stop but he continued on so he said that the man himself that passed the dog along said he was screaming out saying he's kill- he's killing her. He yelled out to everybody in the parking lot, call the police. He continued to shout, he's killing her, stop her, or stop killing her, stop effing killing her. You know, he's just trying anything yeah. to just like, can you imagine walking in a parking lot and just seeing this? No, I mean... I've thought of this scenario, not this exact scenario, but something like this where you see somebody in like bad trouble and it's like you want to help them, but at the same time, it's not the best idea to get in there because you're only going to hurt yourself too. And then somebody's going to have to worry about like two bodies. And well, then, it's just further tragedy. Yeah, especially as somebody like who's a father or a, or a mother or something, you have your kids to worry about. You know, you're responsible for your kids. Yeah. And you know, it's happening so fast. Yeah. And I, I this is probably the best. Th- he did the best thing he could. 
and draw drew attention to mm-hmm. it like have somebody else come you know in america somebody would have a gun nearby probably it'd be like anybody like be like anybody with a gun like come here like you know and people with guns they're, they're happy to go help people out you know like mm-hmm. they probably want to use it i would imagine a lot of them but it's just like such a scary scenario like you're helpless you're watching this dude kill this girl like so terrible and molly is trapped in her yeah, car you yeah. know you're uh, you're very limited in how you can defend yourself in a small space like that absolutely so he saw that Josh was trying to cut and slash her neck. So he ran to the driver's side where he saw Josh's leg hanging out of the car. He began to try to slam the car door onto his leg. Nice. But all Josh did was just bring his leg into the car and just continue on with this frenzied attack. So he also tried to grab Josh's leg, but Josh's leg was so covered in blood, he couldn't get a grip on it. So his his hand was just slipping off of Josh's leg. At this point in time, he stepped away, feeling that there was absolutely no way that Molly was going to survive this. He didn't know what else to do. He saw that Molly's throat had been cut, and he said that Josh just seemed absolutely determined to make sure she was dead. The man ran to grab his car so that he could be sure that Josh couldn't get away he wanted to block him follow him whatever it was so that no. he could be there guy, man what is this guy is like i know on top of stuff i know he really did try his best yeah so he said that you know there was no risk of josh fleeing because he finished the attack and just calmly stood next to molly's car just waiting for police wow covered in his white tank top covered in molly's well, blood i kind of pictured that actually because it's like he knew what he was doing mm-hmm. he knew there was no end i mean that besides him going to jail or something or being dead i mean it, ugh, terrible yeah so he's just standing there in blood just covered and you'll see the picture he's it's kind of fuzzy but he's in a white tank top with blood all over it. it's mm. it's just awful Disgusting. i mean researching this was just horrific like reading the text and her friends not knowing what was happening I I mean, I was crying reading this. It was just tragic. So paramedics and police arrived and tried to save Molly. But at 1143, sorry, so sad. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you got to talk. Yeah, no, it's um, it's, you know, when you were talking earlier about how she was finally starting to come back to life to her friends and stuff that like, you know, that got me excited. And then he came back and I was starting like, man, like she was coming back to her parents and friends and lighting back up you the light in her that got taken out by him was starting to light back up and spark you know and i just picture any friend or my daughter or whatever i know and that's what i was picturing i was picturing my friend or reese or something like that just or lexi or yeah anybody that you love and they're in a parking lot just trying to work out at the gym on some random day and this psychopath Mm -hmm. just like comes and just ends her life and at 11.43 a.m., there was nothing that could be done. She was pronounced dead in the parking lot. Of course. Um, her cause of death, of course, was stabbing and slash wounds to her neck. When the police arrived, Josh stood calmly and, his, like I said, his white tank top just covered with her blood, just waiting to be arrested, calmly walked up to the car and said, she's in the car. I've killed her. Josh was taken into custody at the North Kent Police Station. He answered no comment to every question asked to him. Jeez. Completely shut down. Mm-hmm. The murder weapon was quickly recovered. He just left it in Molly's car with her. Meanwhile, Amy got a message from her friends at work asking if she had seen what happened. She has no idea that this is Molly. Well, yeah, because it's like how 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so people knew about this happening? Yeah, it was um, like almost immediately posted onto the social media and oh, the news. No. Attack a, a woman a female attacked in the dockside shopping center. Oh, no. So Amy looked online at the details and she thought, "Oh my gosh, how horrific." But had you never no think it's idea. Never happened to your best no. friend. No, you know? she because she was texting Molly. I'm on my way to my car. I'm heading home. Yeah. So she had no idea it was Molly. She tried to call and text Molly, couldn't reach her, and this is when she started to worry. Um, during Molly's attack, Amy had continued to text her, asking if Josh had always been a member at her gym. And these texts showed on Molly's phone they had never been read. He had already started his attack on her. Uh, Molly's mom received a link to the incident, and Joanne immediately knew. Unlike Amy. Um, Joanne knew she's like oh my god it's Molly it's Molly I guess she ran into town and her worst nightmare was confirmed that yes it was your daughter and meanwhile Molly's dad was out at sea a hundred miles off the coast so Molly's mom sent him an email saying you need to contact me immediately he she had to tell him over the phone that their daughter had been murdered. Jesus Christ, that's terrible. So he arrived home and he and Joanne went to the hospital and were able to see Molly's body. Doug said without a doubt it was the worst day of his life, the hardest thing he has ever had to do, seeing his daughter on a mortuary gurney lifeless. Yeah, I mean that's you know like they say as a parent that's the worst thing is to lose, you know, your your daughter or son you know to a sickness to or whatever a vicious attack yeah and they watched this like slow motion for the last year basically you know watching it slowly happen and then of course you're questioning yourself like i should have done more as a parent but, but nobody ever thought no. it would have ended like this of course and because there's know, stuff that goes on like this every day that doesn't end like yeah this, you know like what happened with our friend you yeah, know it didn't end like this i mean that's happening a million times more and it's unfortunately you know there's there's no outside external scars to prove it but there's internal scars you know in the head <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah. you, you know, this is the rare situation where somebody was murdered and it's terrible and horrible. But And then you picture that they had to go and see this and like the extent of the slash wounds were so bad that they were actually like hard to count. Like 75 is probably a guess. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, a paring knife too. So mm-hmm. it's so small to do so much damage and she had to keep, keep on in so much rage. Like what a fucking psycho I know. this guy is. And he pled not guilty what an asshole you're on Um, video like you're right there well it wasn't a question that it was him that did it what he made the plea for was manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility so this of course is going to force the thing to go to trial now molly's family and friends are subjected to sitting in the courtroom listening to all the details of what went on so diminished responsibility (laughs) meaning that he didn't have all his faculties with him yeah um whatchamacallit um crazy or yeah, whatever. yeah basically crazy. yeah yeah so on january 23rd 2018 the trial began here two girls that josh had previously dated in the past came forward to testify and now molly's family is realizing that this is not his first go around of like crazy behavior yeah so the one girl had said that when she was going on holiday and he threatened to go there where she was and drown her he slashed her tires um, she had gone to the Staffordshire Police. Is it Staffordshire? Sure. I would guess sure. Yeah. Police in 2013, but it was never recorded as a crime. The department has since changed their policy on reports of stalking, and now it is documented as a crime. He um, 
another girl he had called 25 times in one day after a night out together. He became more and more controlling with her. He turned up at her house at 2 a.m. after a breakup and said, I'm here to charge my cell phone. It's like, uh, get the hell out of here. They went to a bar one or she was at a bar one night. He showed up. He spit a drink in her face. Um, so they this was the first time they realized spit a drink in her face mm-hmm. so drank it spit it in her face yeah okay so you know they had never known that this was like a repeat occurrence but you know not really a shock it's not like a light switch turns on and somebody just becomes a controlling freak yeah so then to the family's disbelief another witness named amy scott comes to the stand she had also met josh through tinder and um, they never met in person, but they talked a lot on Tinder. And he told her that she had been he had been blocked on social media, and she told him that she was a pro stalker and kept Josh up to date on what Molly was posting. What a witch, man. Whoa, whoa. And whoa. the family knew nothing about this. They see this blonde girl come to the stand. And this is his source of information. So wait, did he hire her to stalk her? No, they met on Tinder and she's like, oh, I'll help you. I'm a pro stalker. Oh, man. What? Mm -hmm. No money was exchanged. It was just... see what she said at the trial or anything? I did not, but she was very proud. Proud? Mm -hmm. Even after this girl was dead? Yep. Knowing how this ended, the dad said it's like she was proud. Holy shit. Like, she should go to jail. Like, she was an accomplice, basically. And she even told Josh how he could see Molly's Snapchat's, Snapchat stories without her seeing that he saw them. Oh, my God. Yep. So Scary shit, man. So that's, a, I mean, that's proof. Like, don't put stuff out anywhere if you don't want somebody to know, even if they're blocked. Like, yep. somebody can find and it. And Molly's friends, you know, they're like, like for, and they all spread the word, like, do not. Like, if you're meeting somebody and you feel some vibes, like, don't post your location. Don't put, like... A, picture where it could see the background and then you can google oh the store or whatever you see in the background of the picture and know where you are yeah it's pretty easy you know social media has opened the floodgates to be able to identify where you are the less you post stuff the better really well snapchat map yeah maps i mean you see exactly where people are it's like down to the like dots oh speaking of um somebody we know very well uh they i don't want to say the name but they, they had a person take all their pictures and make a new account on Instagram. And I was like, did you know that this person's using your stuff? And I'm like, oh, I'm glad. Like, they have a link to some like porn site or something. Ugh. And I was like, um, yeah, so you're not into porn? And she like laughed. But she's like, oh, yeah, please report them. So I was like, this is crazy. Like, anybody can take any pictures you have and pretend that they're mm-hmm. you. Like, it's it's really scary stuff out there. It is. It's it's really scary. And, you know, we oftentimes just go la-di-da through life. I mean, I post where I am. You know, I tagged downtown St. Pete when we were there yesterday. You don't think about it because we're, we're good people. We don't think that danger could be lurking around any corner. We want to show our loved ones. You yes, know? Yeah. exactly. And show that, oh, my gosh, we had such a great day. Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Uncles and aunts want to see their nieces and nephews and whatever yep so like i said josh had never met this girl amy and the two um felt connected because they both dealt with bipolar however it came back on trial josh never had bipolar Wow. That was a lie. So what? I mean, I guess you can't really tell. Just He just said it so to kind of get... I, well, I mean, all the psychologists and psychiatrists... He's got something. He's never been diagnosed with bipolar. Wow. So after two weeks of trial on February 6, 2018, you know, the fa- family is like on pins and needles because if he got sentenced with manslaughter, it would be a far less sentencing. So they're waiting in the courtroom. The jury came back after less than four hours. I mean, this is one of those scenarios where you got to talk about death 
like sentence almost you know i'm not an advocate for that because it's weird you know just talking about being able to take somebody's life but it's like life in prison you would expect you know yeah you would expect so after less than four hours the jury came back with a unanimous verdict of guilty of murder thank goodness and josh was sentenced again i always get confused to a minimum of 26 years to life in prison but um so that means he's not life in prison basically yeah i guess not so the act of the act of stalking took control and premeditation which was the difference between manslaughter and murder because he was very calculated in what he was doing and he bought the stuff previously now if he bought it right before he did it he probably could have gotten away with a manslaughter but he bought like the the pickaxe but it's not a crime of passion where it's like you happen to have a knife in your car right and you slash somebody you know what i'm saying he planned it right right that's where it came in and so that that makes sense so during sentencing the judge said that josh was a highly dangerous young man who would pose a very significant risk to women in the future yes agreed i mean if you're ever in a jury you know and you're a juror in this situation you gotta like stand up and be like we are not getting out of this room without this kid getting gotta go away not kid adult getting the, the maximum sentence here so he showed absolutely no remorse for what he had done none and molly's mom was trying to make eye contact with him throughout the trial and he never would look at her until the very last day he did make eye contact with him or with her i should say and she said there was absolutely nothing there no remorse no sadness just cold pathetic eyes of course i wouldn't expect anything less so um, Molly's mom, Joanne, said that it's it's hard for her to find joy in anything anymore now that she has half of her heart missing and her baby girl is gone. I mean, how, how do you ever recover from that? The only way is to make their life worth something. So by going out and spreading the message to other women and men and who are being abused mentally, physically, that that's yeah. the only, uh, spreading awareness. That's all you can do. And then, you know, hopefully her story, you know, us telling her story. Mm -hmm. People wonder why people do true crime stuff. For me and you, it seems like we want to try to get the word out there, you know, tell people these stories that we're interested in as humans, but also just be aware of. Yeah, I mean, this can happen. There's crazy people out there. If you have friends or if you're with somebody right now who might seem a little controlling, get the hell out of that relationship. There's a lot of people out there. I know it's hard. I know we're all very... Like, you want to be with somebody, you get lonely, you know? Of course. We but, all want to meet our match. And, yeah. you know, dating apps are a huge way to meet people. For sure, they're great. Many people we know are married that have met on dating apps. Yeah. You know, it can be a very successful way of meeting people, but there's also a lot of scumbags out there. Sure, sure. I mean, we have friends that, like... I mean, some of the people that reach out to them and like dick pics and stuff, it's like, dude, I don't want to see your dick and balls. Thanks. <laughs> guys love sending that stuff and girls hate getting that Ugh. stuff. It's so weird. Gross. Like, I don't, I don't get why guys want to. I think they expect like, the girl to be like, oh, yeah, now we're talking, big <laughs> like, boy. Sir, I do not want to see your penis. Like, I don't know if that actually happens, but I've never heard of a situation where girls like, actually, I didn't want to talk to you, but now I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sending You are my balls. kind of guy. <laughs> Until I saw that dick and balls, I was. Oh, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah so not to make light out of this no not at all i mean um, this was a very extreme thing yeah so on july 10th 2018 five months later molly's university hosted graduation for her year molly's parents were guests of honor at the ceremony and it was in a huge cathedral and as they accepted molly's diploma they received a standing ovation in the packed cathedral remembering molly and um since molly's death her uh they have her and her they came together like what can we do to honor molly so what they decided to do was set up the molly mclaren foundation to help those suffering from eating disorders nice because it was such a huge thing in molly's life that she was able to overcome so they want to help support other 
other people that are in the the midst of struggling with that. So yeah, I, that's I thought the that only was way great. to do it. Any way to not make their life in vain, you know, not have have something, some kind of memory from them, and some way to help others. And I have no doubt, even if that place helped like two girls or yeah. guys or whatever people. Uh, then that's, you know, I mean, yeah, it's not worth it, but at least it's something. Her it's life something. Went something. It's, I mean, you know, it's a devastating loss, but you got to do something to turn it around and make other people benefit. While you're here, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So Molly's friends and family urge others to look out for warning signs in the relationships and go to the police if you're feeling threatened. The internet and social media has opened up a huge door to stalking. And most of us don't think twice, like we said. They don't think twice about posting where we are, where we live. Statistics show that one in five women will experience stalking at some point in their life. In March 2019, the Stalking Protection Act was passed in the Parliament, offering greater protection to those being stalked. Because if you listen to true crime blogs, you will hear stories of this. And it's a horribly desperate situation because a crime hasn't necessarily been committed. It's all threats. Mm. And I've heard so many stories about these women who go to the police and nothing can be done. Well, there's a fine line between like freedom of speech and, you know, just some kind of bad stuff, you know, like going after somebody. It's it's meant it's like verbal abuse, basically. So, well, and it's threats and yeah. you're you're in fear. And what do you do? Because it's like, what am I going to do? Pick up my house and like move to another like city or state or something like that. Has decided to make my life a living hell. And then he can find me there. And then right. what? Like, where do you escape it? It's I can't imagine being in that situation. And my heart breaks for people that are dealing with it because it's horrible that this person can ruin your life. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know what laws are in the U.S. I think they're probably. Less strict than that. I think there's you're allowed to like stalk and stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm not, really not entirely sure, sure but But man, it, it's like one of those senses. Like as as humans, you know, back in the the old days, you know, even old days, like prehistoric type stuff, you know, um, like we had this sense like uh, a bush when it rattles, like we have this danger. You know, the people that can connect that to like an animal possibly attacking them, you have these like spidey senses that something seems wrong, it's probably wrong. Just go for it. Like the worst case scenario if you're wrong, is that, oh, you know, I push this person away. You yeah. Know, but in the best case scenario, you know, let's say you ignore those signs, then you can end up, unfortunately, like sweet Molly here. And, you know, that that is a terrible situation. So get out of whatever bad situation that you're feeling. And she tried. Right. You know, she, she tried. And she, was, she was done with him, you know, and this scumbag took her life from her. So. 12 days later, after the breakup, this is what happened. Yeah. And nobody could have anticipated it. Right. But it's just a tragic story. So this, you know, is in honor of Molly because yeah. my heart breaks for her and her family and her friends. Yep. Well, thanks for sharing the story. Sorry about the, you know, I, the I, ending. Yeah. I, I tend to stay away from those because you're Ugh. you're stronger than I am. So clearly not as I broke down multiple times during well, the story. You're a human being. It's okay yeah. to have some emotions. And again, I, I pictured like one of my dear friends having this happen to or my daughter, you know, it's like, how can you not be sad about that? Right. Right. Well, hey, here's to Molly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. You know, please, uh, you know, give us a, a five star review so we can spread some more stories to more people and more awareness and things. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, thanks for listening. We really appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. Uh, we're getting close to a big milestone too, about 10,000 downloads. Yeah. So it's, it's been crazy. So thank you so much. Yeah, for thank you. Spreading the word. And a lot of people talking to on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you so much for your kind words. There's some I know, really cool and, people. And that's the thing too, because there's so many like kind people. And 
I know it's hard to be out there because I I listen religiously to other podcasts and you look at the reviews and some people are just so mean. mean. Yeah. Like how could in a million years I would not comment that on anybody's like podcast, Instagram, whatever. Like, like this person's voice sucks and they're they should like you know sound like they're in a toilet or something. It's like just put a two star like, review why? and say not for me. You don't have to like be so mean. Or yeah. maybe just don't. Like I don't know. It's yeah. like why? All right. But so, so far, luckily we've not had any nastiness. <laughs> but the, bigger, the bigger we get. It's it's coming and i can't my wait. skin it's very thin <laughs> <laughs> it is it is yeah so I, I, I can't wait i'm gonna come after these people and be like no hey, don't no, do that not like after i'm not gonna name them or anything i'll be no, like i know but why i'll, I'll probably let them it. stew in yeah. their nastiness that's, that's the way true. that i see it like right. they're clearly not happy people yeah sorry just stew in your nastiness but and so you're not far, gonna pull me underwater but so far the crime and coffee couple people yeah. are super <laughs> they're awesome. so nice yeah so thank, thank you so much very nice all right well anyway cheers cheers we'll see you next week love you bye